Hello, welcome back to Radio Nepal. I'm Oscar Westbridge. And I'm Finnegan Chu. And you're listening to a laid-back episode of Internet Explorers, the weekly half-hour show that follows Finn and I as we navigate through the depths of the internet. This episode, we're going to be talking about lo-fi hip-hop beats to study to. Uh, so, before we get into this episode, uh, Finn, do you listen to lo-fi? And if so, like, are you actively listening to it? Are you doing other stuff while it's on? How do you engage with the genre? Yes, I, I listen to lo-fi beats to study to while I'm studying. And by studying, I mean doing all of the like artwork that I have to do as my classwork. Um, but usually when I get like so tired of my music that there's like nothing interesting and I can't like listen to music with lyrics in it or anything because it doesn't help me focus at all, um, I have been started, have been... <laughs> have started listening more recently to a lot more lo-fi just because it's something on um and i just like i have to have something on whenever i'm working on stuff because i cannot focus in silence whatsoever yeah i think that's a generational thing because i'm the same way like i can't it's very rare that i spend prolonged periods of time in silence Mm -hmm. um which is you know not the probably the best for mental health reasons but i um there's one like psychologist who theorizes that we always have music playing in our brains um just sometimes we're conscious of it sometimes we're not which is why like a song can get stuck in your head and then phase out and then phase back in it's weird it's like head elevator music yeah literally it's like muzak do you familiar with that genre no i'm muzizi ak it's like anytime you're in an elevator and it goes like that Da 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 da. Like a tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like you'll hear like a bad girl from Ipanema, like yeah. <laughs> like through like a mall speakers. Like that's Muzak. Um, and a lot of ways, people actually compare the two because they're both for this very passive listening experience. Lo-fi and Muzak. When did you first come like become aware of lo-fi like hip hop as a genre? I don't know. I think I became very aware of it when I started living with you, but I don't remember when like that started for me i think it it was definitely college i did not listen to it well actually maybe around senior year of college i remember um senior year of high school oh my god yes (laughs) senior year of high school um i think i was in an ap art class and we would usually always have music playing during that class because it was usually work time um, and I had a friend who listened to a lot of, like, taco beats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was kind of actually my first, like, introduction to it. And sometimes I, like, went back to it, but I didn't, you know, continuously listen. But I think more so, like, this year especially, it's been really helpful when, you know, I, we're all sitting at home doing a bunch of work and you just need to have something else on. Yeah, because I think after a while, like, I, I hear what you're saying with, like, the music with lyrics. It's like, it, it, sometimes you just get caught up in the story of, mm-hmm. like, the song. And for a while, I actually would... I, I found Lo-Fi Beats because I was a super stressed senior who needed something to listen to. Um, same same as you, apparently. <laughs> um, and for a while, I tried classical, but... Because um, I was I always heard Me those background music. But I think for anybody who's at least, like, a little musically trained or interested in theory, like, it's actually way more distracting than it might be. Like, the more I learn about music, the more classical pulls my attention away from things because it's so theory-heavy. I mean, you're telling me this yeah. after I've been in orchestra for, like, ten years. Exactly, so, so I can't even imagine, like... 
your mind thinking about how a piece is played while it's being, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, usually when, like, I, I've listened to classical stuff, it's usually stuff that I already know, and, and sometimes it's stuff that I've already played, and that just kind of defeats the purpose of, like, listening to it just as a passive, like, listening thing, because then either if I played it before, I kind of go back to that, because I haven't played my instrument in a very long time. But, like, I go back to that, and I start to get kind of, not, like, the muscle memory of it, but, like, I start to get kind of the feeling of that, and then I start, like, remembering and dissecting, and and even if I, like, haven't played it or something, I can, like, start dissecting and being like, ooh, how how would I play that? Or, like, how would that, like, feel, like, playing? Yeah. And it's it's not good for passive listening, for me, at least. Whereas, like, lo-fi is so repetitive that, like, you hear the entirety of, like, it's an eight-bar piano loop, and it plays for two minutes, and then halfway through uh a clip from how i met your mother like will play like with a lot of like distortion and then it'll drop back into it and it's like perfect well and it's much more like electronic you Mm. you, there's not as much of like a feeling of like playing an instrument or even like singing Mm -hmm. in that sense so actually yeah now that i think about it it's kind of weird it like it it truly blends into the background do you like lo-fi yeah okay um and then We already kind of talked about this last question about how it relates to the other genres that you listen to, but I will say for me at least, I also, um, I mean, I grew up listening to hip-hop. Like, my parents used to play Kanye West in the car before I was allowed to swear, which was an interesting, (laughs) like, uh, duality of man situation where I would roll up to school with uncensored Kanye on the radio and then, like, have to be a polite eight-year-old. Montessori's (laughs) Yeah, literally, uh uh-huh, exactly. Um, Where I was, like, at Montessori, I was told, like, everyone used to hug each other, which is, like, super sweet, but in hindsight, super weird. Anyways, uh, Montessori's for another day. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think full disclosure as we go into this, I'm actually really interested in lo-fi in the same reason I'm interested in a lot of outsider art. Like, Mm -hmm. it it is very much anti-industry in the way that it operates. Like, it's very different from highly polished pop music. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think I genuinely... Less produced. Yeah, I mean, I think I also, I mean, to some extent, I make lo-fi. Like, a lot of the music I put out is lo-fi. Part of the reason I wanted to do this episode was an excuse to do a lo-fi remix of our theme. (laughs) Um, So, I think this was probably the most fun I've ever had researching. So, if you'll indulge me, uh, I kind of want to dig into the history of low-fidelity. Yeah, go go for it. Cool. So, uh, lo-fi is short for low-fidelity, and audio-fidelity is basically the degree that a recording manages to accurately reproduce its source material. Um, so, like, how well can a microphone capture somebody's voice, and then, like, how well can a speaker uh, play it back? okay, okay. Um, so, in the 50s, people started being able to play records at home, and everyone got really interested in high-fidelity music. So mm-hmm. it was trying to make a home-listening experience that was as close to being at, like, a concert or an orchestra as possible. And, like, to this day, there are people on Reddit, mostly, um, oh. <laughs> who are super... Reliable source. Yeah, well, I know. There's, like, a little... There's a, a high-fidelity community on Reddit that's really interested in, like, super expensive speakers that give you the best, like, at-home, like, movie experience, um, or, like, will give you, like, the best way to play a record. I think a lot of vinyl culture is also interested in audio fidelity and the way that, like, vinyl versus streaming. I'm sure they've been, like, especially having a lot of interesting conversations since the pandemic started, I would assume. Especially if, like, they can't go to concerts right now, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think a, a huge part of the reason Lo-Fi kind of boomed this year is everyone is kind of at home, and it's a genre that was born out of people's homes. Mm-hmm. But with Hi-Fi, too, it's like, yeah, how can I get the best experience of being listening to music in my home? Mm-hmm. Um, it, in a lot of ways, it also reminds me of, like, um, with, like, visual arts, there's, like, paints that some people prefer, like, in terms of pigment, like, what's the best, like, the, 
there's that one shade of pink that was like 99% the, percent the most shade of pink that had ever been made before. There's a shade of black that like sucks light out of the air. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a huge controversy because somebody like bought the exclusive rights to that shade of black. Um, oh well, my god, I forgot about that. What, what was that? Uh, I think it was called like Ultra Black or something. Okay. Uh, it was the person who made Cloudgate was the one who bought the rights Thank to it, you, and that's everybody what it was. everybody hated him. Yeah, or in a, or in like film, like there's people some some directors exclusively work with like forty millimeter, whereas some only like digital or like photographers. Some all IMAX, like Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, honestly, Christopher Nolan uh, is like I, I feel like he relates to hi-fi audio in that like to get. Hans Zimmer's sounds at your home in a way that is tolerable. Like, I'm sure part of the reason I didn't like Tenet that much was because it, like, wasn't being blared at me through gigantic speakers. I know that was not Hans Zimmer. That was, um, Ludwig uh, Göransson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, the minute that hi-fi was coined, obviously, what's the opposite of high? Low! Uh, it feels so- like an episode of Sesame Street. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, low emerged in the fifties, but it was originally lo-fi was a, like a criticism. Um, like you would say, like a bad knockoff speaker was low fidelity. Like it wasn't an aesthetic choice. It kind of actually reminds me of like how impressionist painting mm-hmm. grew into an, an aesthetic choice, mm-hmm. um, sort of as counterculture to. You, uh, might, you may know more of this, but maybe, realism? Like, yeah, like really, yeah, photorealism. Like, yeah. Photorealism, exactly. Thank you. Um, so, but eventually, uh, and at this time, like the only people who had home recording studios, which is kind of where Lo-Fi came from, were really popular musicians who could afford to have that equipment in their home. Mm-hmm. So, like Paul McCartney and Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys both put out like pre-Lo-Fi, low-fidelity albums they recorded out of their home. Like they're rough around the edges, they're a little bit spacey, they're kind of weird. Uh, but nobody expected that from them because the Beatles made highly polished albums, and the Beach mm-hmm. Boys, for the most part, did too. So nobody really liked it. In the 80s, at-home recording equipment became way more accessible, and as a result, this sort of, like, underground movement uh, pushed it forward as an aesthetic, not just, like, a limitation. Um, So making something more accessible allows more people to do it, which makes it more popular, (laughs) which makes it... An aesthetic choice. I mean, for the yeah, and that's something you see like throughout art history too. Mm -hmm. Is like, especially with the, I think the internet has made more mediums of art accessible than any other technological advancement. Um, The term lo-fi is like slang uh, is credited to DJ William Berger. DJ William Berger in the hat. No, he used to run a. It's just a. It's a weird. I mean, I guess maybe he was just a DJ and also named. Anyways. Uh, he ran a 30-minute slot every Friday evening where he would have people mail him tapes. That's how old we are in here. Uh, with, like, do-it-yourself recordings that they had made. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think another, like, component to lo-fi we don't think about as much anymore, but it's kind of weirdly artificially replicated is, like, tapes and records will warp over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sound worse, and I think that was a huge part of the reason people are like nostalgia, nostalgic for the like. That's why the mm-hmm. vinyl movement kind of happened. Yeah, lo-fi sounds like what a like an old movie looks like. Literally, there's a uh, ooh, that's a good yeah. Put that on a shirt. Uh, no, but I agree, especially since so many of them also like will put like a random Gone with the Wind sample in the middle of it. I'm serious. I love this genre, but if there's one thing I get annoyed about is like halfway through like a good beat, suddenly a clip from a Pokemon episode like <laughs> starts playing, and I'm like, this is not. It'll be like Ash being like Pikachu. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, that's it at its worst. Um, we'll get more into lo-fi hip-hop in a second. Um, and then the punk movement slash the grunge movement slash there was like 800 moody guitar eras that kind of coalesced in the 90s and the 80s uh, was a huge part of low-fidelity recordings because many people didn't like labels, as mm-hmm. they still don't because labels are bad. Uh, I don't and know. take I, money. Yes, exactly. Um, and so they started making uh, music independently. Um for example, I think one of the funniest examples of this is Nirvana actually thought that their like second album, Nevermind, was too polished. <laughs> so when they put out their third album, uh, In Utero, they like intentionally were like, "This needs to sound worse than our last album." Uh, and it, like, I mean, it is a it's a fuzzier, muddier album. Um, and then, as things typically happen, next it got added to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, uh, and lo-fi music is officially defined as the production or reproduction of audio characterized by an unpolished or rough sound quality. Um, so, like, there's a ton of different imperfections that can define um, lo-fi, and there's too many to go into here, but, like, distortion... Reverb, low quality audio, flanger. Um, there's also like a whole part of like lo-fi vocals where you like intentionally leave in like cracks in the voice or like breaths or um, oh, like so you can like sing in lo-fi. Yeah, oh, I think okay. um, uh, my one of the best examples of like that is like have you heard the song? Uh, I don't even like the song, uh, but it's called. Uh, Deathbed parentheses coffee for your head. It blew oh, up on TikTok. I hate that song so much. I don't like it either, mostly because I don't like the kid like rapping on it. But it's a lo-fi beat, and I think like yeah. his sort of like slurred, laid-back local vocal style of his rapping is lo-fi and yeah, aesthetic. I, I kind of forgot about that song, but for good reason. So. Um, it was like a number one, so like it was a. I mean, it was a moment, but yeah. Um, I, they also will leave in sounds of like mics getting shut off or like creaks the chairs of like that are creaking in the studio. It's like very much just supposed to be like, hey, we're leaving it sloppy on purpose. Yeah, and you're in the room with us. Yeah, that's a great way to put it too, because I think there's a certain intimacy to a lo-fi song that's not present in like, I, like you would. I've played lo-fi in the car before, mm-hmm. and it sounds bad because it's not the right space for it. Like it was a genre very much tailored to headphones in your mm-hmm. room alone. Um. We've already talked about impressionism, but like, there are any other genres of art you can think of that like intentionally embrace imperfections as part of the the movement? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, mm, yeah, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't think a lot of the aesthetics that uh, are embraced in different like art styles, I think, are more argued as just straight up like choices mm. rather than imperfections, like like cubism, like that kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's like just a choice it's not like by any means someone saying oh this looks bad but i'm gonna make it like look good as a choice as, like, you know a what i'm saying yeah. yeah 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 that's a good point i think maybe the one thing i can think of is outsider art which is like typically people who are not visual artists who mm-hmm. are drawing or painting or collaging or sculpting and like for them it's the raw creative interactions between them and the medium mm-hmm. that kind of create their own sort of art but even then like i don't know there's still an intentionality to the roughness of lo-fi that's not as intentional for outsider art. So it's yeah, I think I think that definitely I've noticed like in the past few years a lot of like embracing different styles that don't necessarily like relate to like photorealism, and that's fine um, because then it finds other avenues to express the same like message that they're trying to get across, or the same kind of aesthetic that they're trying to get across. Yeah. 
that's a yeah and I think a lot of those also the internet kind of has a lot of its own styles of like True. intentionally rough around the edges stuff um, oh I mean there's like YouTube sketch comedy I think was often like in the <laughs> early days painfully aware of how poor its special effects were or maybe B movies, like um, not the Jerry Seinfeld film, but like legitimate yeah. like B grade budget films that like know that they don't have enough like plot or budget to do anything super cool, so they just kind of intentionally make themselves like. Oh, there's something campy about that. Yeah, uh, camp. I think camp, which like I mean to some extent also like was a huge part of like early queer culture, which is also about like embracing sort of like differentness outsiderness yeah Yeah, like non-normative stuff and like i think camp was huge in embracing the imperfections of the performer Mm -hmm. or like the script so that's a good point too actually um all of which is to say we've talked a lot about low fidelity but not about hip-hop so here's where the genre gets complicated and oscar's notes get like kind of sprawling uh so there's like 60 sub-genres that all play with the low fidelity aesthetic we've talked about grunge (laughs) we've talked about punk i mean and those are like using it as an aesthetic but not necessarily as a genre but basically in the 80s and 90s lo-fi was all about making art that was a protest against the pop on the radio okay people had chilled out by the early 2000s slash it was a different uh era of musicians so some of the artists then started to take the nostalgia of pop from the 80s and 90s combine it with the rough around the edges aesthetic of things that were made at home and so this sort of genre bled into what's called hypnagogic pop or dream pop okay hypnagogic is the term for the transition between like waking and sleeping yeah Uh, have you ever like jerked up in your bed suddenly yes those are called hypnagogic jerks i've like kicked people before (laughs) by accident (laughs) um Vaporwave, which could have its own episode as sort of a meme genre, also popped up out of this movement. Um, Similarly, uh, digital audio workstations, which is what I used to produce, what we used to record these these shows, uh, are suddenly way cheaper, so people are able to produce at home. Hip-hop has become a more established genre in the mainstream, although obviously it was around since the 70s or even before that. Um, There's two producers around this time. One of them is Nujabiz, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's from Japan. Uh, And Jay Dilla, who was a uh, prolific American producer. They're kind of credited with the planting the seeds for lo-fi. They both played with jazz samples, ambient background sounds, down-tempo mellow drums, and sort of like a spacey sound that reminds me of like hypnagogic dream pop. Uh, So that's where lo-fi hip-hop comes from. So like Beach House. (laughs) Yes, actually. Beach House is a great example of, I think they have their own name, like Dreamwave. Yeah. Uh, But that is very lo-fi adjacent. Um, That's the thing. Like, There's like so many other things I could mention. I could mention Psychedelic Rock was Mm -hmm. huge for this. Uh, Yeah. Shoegaze, which is its own genre. Sorry. uh, Which is literally, it was coined because a lot of the musicians would stand up on stage like looking down at their shoes while playing because they didn't really like care about the performance. They just were focused on the noise. Uh, down tempo, which used to be played at like EDM things, like but they would have a sta- hey. they would have a stage with down tempo if you wanted to like chill out for a little bit, like if you get too hyped or like tired. Can you imagine like going to that and then just hearing like the EDM and like the background, the muffled EDM? But you're like just like the lo-fi stage. Yeah, yeah, like a horrible clip of an argument from Ted Two. Like you know how like like in the middle of a lo-fi song is playing. I don't know. I'm making fun of like like one of the. TV samples they might pull up is like Ted, like I swear, like Mark Wahlberg yelling at the bear and Ted too. That was literally like the most like, uh, like off the wall. I have not heard a reference to Ted too, much less Ted I in seen, like years. I watched the original Ted. I have not watched Ted too, um, but I think it's like an I, I don't know. It's just like an example of a weird off the cuff like 
sample that would get pulled in a really bad lo-fi song. Yeah. Um, it would be like, oh, you're a bear. You'll never be anything more than a bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's where anime comes into the picture. Oh, here you go. Uh, so New Javis, uh, for his credit, is actually Japanese. Uh, he produced the soundtrack for a highly popular anime called Samurai Champloo, which aired as part of Toonami, which was like the anime section of Adult Swim, which was the adult section on Cartoon Network. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was probably one of the most influential lo-fi things of all time. It was really gorgeously animated, uh, like a mixture of like Japanese samurai culture, like in period, but also like contemporary, like hip hop and graffiti mm-hmm. and like streetwear. Um, and so, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of where the mesh of lo-fi hip hop and like a guy with a sword spinning on loop for 20 <laughs> minutes kind of came from. Um, also, MF Doom, who passed away uh, late 2020, rest in peace, uh, he had an album called Mad Villainy, which was really, really popular uh, in underground hip-hop that also kind of embraced a lo-fi aesthetic. Dilla, J. Dilla, Gasso got played on Adult Swim a lot of the time. So, like, that combination of that era of watching anime with your friends, like, at, like, 3 a.m., listening to, like, MF Doom and, like, playing Nujabees, like, that was where a lot of lo-fi producers grew up. And so, mm-hmm. like, today the musicians are inspired by the nostalgia of that time because nostalgia is just, like... The quintessential lo-fi thing. So, you have all these young producers making music inspired by their childhood, and since most of them are very sample-heavy, it's kind of tricky to get them on Spotify. Mm -hmm. So where do they go? They go to YouTube. Uh, And this is where we get into... Chilled Cow. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and contemporary, like, lo-fi YouTube culture. So, um... Basically, it's harder to get copyright strikes on a live stream than it is on a video that they upload so there are channels that uh will just stream lo-fi songs for like 24 hours a day 365 a year i think um yeah it's kind of great actually it's super nice i mean because i know the spotify playlist for lo-fi is fine but even then like eventually like they stopped adding new songs whereas like chilled cow like hand picks uh artists to put on the like playlist so like it's it gets updated rather frequently he also has 7.7 million subscribers. That's crazy. Uh, I read this stream is iconic, because I think it is, like, pretty iconic. There's, yeah. um, if you haven't seen it, I would look up Shield Cow Lo-Fi Hip Hop Beats to study to. There's usually about, like, 35,000 people watching it at any given time. I'm one of those 35,000 people watching right now. Yeah, I was watching it as I was doing this research, so, like, uh, or listening to it. Um, but if you don't know it, it features, like, an anime girl sitting by a window doing homework while occasionally, like, shuffling a paper. There's a cat There's a in the cat. background. Yeah. Um, so, originally, it was actually a clip from a, a Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film. A Ghibli? Ghibli. Ghibli? I, I'm not sure. Uh, it was a Miyazaki film, uh, and it originally got copyright striked. So, what, um, what Chilled Cow, whose real name is Dimitri, but we don't know his last name, a uh, mysterious man did, was he commissioned a college student to basically just, like, do a Miyazaki-type beat, but in terms of, like, a Miyazaki-type image. Yeah. And that's how that, like, that's why it looks like a Miyazaki film, but it's not technically. Uh, which I think is interesting, given that, like, lo-fi hip-hop has such a sample culture that even, like, the video, the original video it uses is sampled basically from a movie. Yeah. Um... 
So the girl has become viral. Her name is literally just like Lo-Fi Girl on Wikipedia. <laughs> Wait, there's a Wikipedia for her? Yeah, um, because people have edited her into like a variety of settings and locations. Like there was a Reddit thread where people were doing uh, redraws of her in various like nations. So like there was a Scottish one with red oh hair and a kilt. Um, there was one somebody made for Japan where like it was all neon, like a Tron outfit for her, which was kind of <laughs> sick and like a robot cat in the background. Uh, Steven Universe put one of their characters, like, in the lo-fi girl, like, pose next to the window, uh, in one of their episodes, um, and yeah, like I mentioned, the tendency for lo-fi to use anime clips probably goes back to Samurai Champloo, especially, also the fact that, like, you can loop an animated clip over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're taking yeah, animation Yeah, I was gonna say, right you're now. telling me. Um, would you ever, would you ever think about doing a little animated loop for a lo-fi song? Oh, uh, if I got paid. That's, a, that's an excellent <laughs> Because point. it takes so long. That's true. I think that's the other reason that people like to, like, it's, uh, I mean, that's the reason people steal the clips. It's because, yeah. like, they're very pretty, but they take a long time to make. Um, nobody was able, so this is my hunch. I was not able to find out why, like, weird clips of old sitcoms keep getting used in them. Like, the thing I've been joking about this entire time. Um, But my guess is that, like, the whole genre is about taking what you're nostalgic for, be that, like, childhood TV shows. There's a whole bunch of Nintendo lo-fi remixes out in the world that are pretty good. So, like, some people are also nostalgic for, like, Seinfeld and Friends, I I guess. I knew you were going to say Seinfeld. I don't know why I've never watched that show. Because we mentioned the B-movie earlier. Uh... Wow, Jerry Seinfeld, he just gets in there, right? Gets in your I head. Um, I would love to do a lo-fi remix with that. No, like, no, no, no. Barry, you're a bee. You can't go out of the high. And then you just interpret, like, Vanessa being like, like oh, what, what, He's what? a very nice bee. Yeah. <laughs> you like jazz? Yeah. This is genius. Um, I'm glad we're, like, recording this. Nobody else steal this. Um, I, still I don't think my, anyone else is going to steal this. I have to make my, like, driver's license my Minecraft parody too. I've been so caught up in our episodes not recording, which apologies for that, by the way. Short oh interim. We've had some tech problems, but hopefully this one will happen. Better. Uh, back to lo-fi. Okay, so another thing about that stream, and Finn and I just were looking at this, is like it's genuinely a weird little wholesome pocket of the internet. I like was watching for like five minutes, and people were like wishing each other luck on exams, swapping study tips, talking to each other about like languages they speak because it's like a very international community, mm-hmm. um, and like generally just making these like weird, weird little like superficial connections. It kind of reminds me of like, did you ever go on like Omegle? Yes, it was actually trending on Twitter last night. Omegle? Yeah. Oh no. For bad reasons? I, I, I don't know. I All think right. so. I mean, I'm not surprised. It was a bad site, and I, I was know. unsupervised as a child on there. But, like, you would, like, meet somebody, and then you would, like, have a two-second like, conversation, hi. and then you would get scared and click off. Like, exactly. I think this is a more public version of that, where, like, people are just chatting because they're bored during homework. There's obnoxious folks who keep spamming, like, various Bible passages, which is kind of weird. Just because it's not the vibe. Nothing wrong with Bible passages. But other than, like, and, like, there's people, like, self-promoting, like, anywhere else on the internet. Like, check me out uh, on SoundCloud. But for the most part, it seems like one of the more wholesome comment sections I've come across. Um, I also, like, have to say big respect to the little, like, outsider art culture among lo-fi channels. Like, a lot of them barely make the amount of money it costs them to stream back, like, on ads and Patreon stuff, uh, and they also don't take payments to put artists on their playlists, which kind of is different than Spotify, which recently just started accepting money to boost you higher on playlists, oh. which is really not good for the industry, uh, or at least not for the independent art industry, and also, like, the hand-picked nature of it kind of has this DIY vibe. Um, why is it popular? Because it's oh. relaxing. 
<laughs> and, well, pe- yeah. and people are stressed. Uh, there was an interview with Evie, all lowercase, who is a lo-fi producer and also the name of a Pokemon I like a lot, um, <laughs> which I think is indicative of the culture. Yes. Uh, and they talk about... Um, that music for many people has become a passive experience since streaming makes it possible to just like put on a song at any time. You don't have to like walk up to your record player, like put a cassette in. Yeah, true. Um, and so like contemporary lo-fi is like the most passive experience. Did you say walk up to your record player and put a cassette in? No, I said or. Oh, I oh hope. okay. If I said and. It's <laughs> like, wait, hold on. Just imagining putting like a, like a blank disc on like a record player and just having it like spin around and around. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and then the reason people have criticism of it is it is sometimes very, very easy to make. Like, Jay Dilla and Nuja Bees have a very good ear for samples, and, like, they're genuinely brilliant about putting textures together. Is that but, the criticism of it? Well, the thing is, is, like, as a musician, if your genre is very easy to make, then it's not a very interesting thing to make for some people. I mean, it's a good point that when lo-fi is poorly made, it is pretty easy. You just take, like, a, like oh, I said, yeah. you take a four-bar bar jazz sample pitch it down, put a filter on it, add a drum loop that goes... But then if you put it on loop on, like, a study playlist, I mean, no one's going to really notice that. Yeah, and I think that's the problem some people have. It's like, Mm -hmm. if your song isn't able to be recognized as an individual piece, like, what's the point of putting it together? I mean, some people were literally just re-upload an old lo-fi song with a different title, you know what I mean? And nobody notices. Um, and so, like, no. what does it mean to be a lo-fi musician in an era where anyone can do it? Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I think that's a problem any genre is, like, coming up against now, that, like, music is more and more accessible to be made by amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think pop, you could argue, like, four chords, uh, a loud beat, and... Hey, chain smokers. Uh, yeah, literally... Oh, that's a good example, actually. Yeah, EDM the drop. three chords. Uh-huh. They had a one song that came out that had two chords the whole time. No, it was it was three chords. It was the, the Coldplay song. Oh. See, I didn't listen to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we were staying in Paris. Uh, yeah, like I said, Powfu Deathbed blew up on TikTok with a lo-fi beat. I don't particularly like it, but I think it's big for the genre. Uh, we can t- Bedroom Pop deserves its own episode or like its own musings, but it's a, it, a lot of it like is lo-fi and aesthetic. Like uh, early Rex Orange County is very much like rough around the edges on purpose. Uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas literally make music out of their bedroom, and like she's one of the biggest pop musicians of all time. She's won how many Grammys? Yeah, like, exactly. Right now? Like I think people really appreciate the more vulnerable outsider art pr- approach that lo-fi and bedroom mm-hmm. pop and dream pop and synthwave and anything else. Uh, and I guess it's like my final closing statement. Like everyone's kind of at home right now, kind of overwhelmed kind and of. kind of living exclusively on nostalgia for better times. And, like, I cannot think of a more perfect genre than lo-fi to encapsulate that experience. Exactly. Um, so, if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend checking it out as, like, a study thing. Or... I don't, like, know anyone that doesn't like it. No, I, like, I, I, other than pretentious musicians who are like, oh, it's not real music. Um, but that's all the time we have. Thank you, thank you, listener, and you, Finn, for indulging me Thanks. in this, because I'm really excited about it. No, I feel much more informed now. Um, listening to my uh, YouTube stream. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice because the, the money, like those those views, go towards actual like artists in a way that Spotify doesn't. So, um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see you next week with something else. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.